There are currently 225 unsolved cases of missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls throughout Canada. 15-year-old Leah Anderson is one of them. 15-year-old Leah Anderson had plans to go ice skating with her friends on January 4, 2013 in God's Lake Narrows, a remote community in northern Manitoba. However, Leah never showed up at the ice rink. Two days later, a body was found by a snowmobile trail not far from her home. She had been brutally beaten, though she had put up a fight. Suspects in this case came and went over the years. However, Leah's killer has never been brought to justice. All her family want her answers. This is Leah's story. Shine bright like a diamond. Those are the last words 15-year-old Leah Anderson posted on Facebook. She wrote it just a few hours before she disappeared. Every day I see her walking out that door because that's the last time I've seen her alive. Two years ago, she walked out her front door and became one of the nearly 1,200 missing or murdered Indigenous women in Canada. And like so many others, her murder remains unsolved and her story untold. Leah Kendra Anderson was born in 1998 to parents Gilbert Duke and Sally Anderson. She grew up around two sisters and one brother as part of the Cree community in Thompson, Manitoba in Canada. Unfortunately, when Leah was just six years old, Gilbert would be murdered. And while justice would be served in this case, Gilbert's killers were arrested and convicted of manslaughter. Sally struggled to cope with four young children and succumbed to her grief and substance abuse. This would unfortunately result in Leah and her three siblings being placed into the foster care system. The siblings spending time in 13 different foster homes in only three years. Sally's sister, Leah's aunt, Myra Anderson, and her husband, Wayne, they couldn't stand the thought of their nieces and nephews in the foster care system with strangers. So when Leah was 10 years old, Myra and Wayne took custody of the four young siblings, moving them to God's Lake Narrows in Manitoba, Canada. Now a quick Google search, and it's clear that visually God's Lake Narrows is breathtakingly beautiful. The landscape is nothing short of gorgeous. However, it isn't perfect. It is a Cree community that is remote and without many essential services. Because it is an Indigenous community, there is a suffering that comes from that, both intergenerational trauma and systematic racism. The 285 homes there are overcrowded by the 1,300-strong population, and these homes are small and many in disrepair. Definitely an issue in Indigenous communities is abuse, violence and substance abuse, and God's Lake Narrows is not immune to this. It is supposed to be a dry community, but it's not unusual for people to smuggle in alcohol or make their own to drink during house parties. And due to just how isolated and remote that God's Lake Narrows is, the isolation and remoteness of God's Lake Narrows would only further increase the effects of this. Unfortunately, during the summer months, you can only access this community by plane. Once the lake ices over during the winter months, supplies and services can be brought in via an ice road. But it leaves the residents, especially the teens and other young people, with not much to do. 
making illegal substances and alcohol a very enticing premise. But Leah instantly took to her new life. She not only assimilated into her new environment, but excelled. She embraced her Cree heritage and was chosen to be a youth chief. Leah was described by loved ones as always being happy and seeing the best in everyone. She was trusting and always laughing and smiling and putting the needs of others before her own. Heartbreakingly, but very much like Leah, her last social media post before her death simply stated, Shine bright like a diamond. Leah was a natural performer, artistic and a talented dancer, singer and ice skater. She knew she wanted a better future for herself and she was focused on her studies. In 2013, when she died, 15-year-old Leah would only spend term break in God's Lake Narrows. She was in her sophomore year at the Frontier Collegiate Institute in Cranberry Portage, Manitoba. Leah spoke to everyone about her dreams to one day attend the University of Winnipeg. Leah had the world and everyone she knew at her feet. She was truly beautiful inside and out. January 2013 was a particularly harsh winter for the residents of the small community in northern Manitoba, and the weekend after New Year's would be Leah's last weekend at her home with her aunt and uncle before returning to school. Leah was excited to spend one of her last nights in God's Lake Narrows with her dear friend and attend a house party. Friday, January 4, 2013, 7.30pm. Leah said goodbye to her aunt with a pair of men's skates slung over her shoulder. Leah always preferred men's skates to female ones. She told Myra she was meeting a friend at the local ice rink and then dropping in on a party but promised she'd be home before curfew. And Myra didn't doubt that. Leah was a responsible and reliable teen. Now at some point before leaving, her friends would send Leah messages in a group chat saying they were no longer attending this house party. Leah messaged them back, saying she was going to go anyway. Not long after leaving, one of her friends came by the house to pick her up to drive her to the ice rink. As I said, it was bitterly cold, but Myra told her that Leah had already left, the two never crossing paths along the way. Her friends waited for Leah at the ice rink, but she never showed. Actually, none of Leah's friends would see her that night, and her family would never see her alive again and where Leah went and with whom in her last few hours remain unknown to this day. Unfortunately, her case did not receive any media attention, and there was a limited police investigation. When Leah did not return that night, Myra and Wayne did not think too much of it. The icy weather, they thought that maybe she was going to be safe and she stayed with a friend. But when she didn't return home the next day and she never called, they knew something was wrong. They reported her missing to the local police. The whole community feeling the effects of the missing girl and they bended together to help find her, immediately organising searches to find her, despite the heavy snow and the horrid conditions. Hey lifers, I've got a new obsession for you, Body to Burial. Body to Burial is a new podcast highlighting the various professionals that work a body's trail from the crime scene to the final resting ground. From 911 dispatchers and crime scene cleaners to coroners and criminal profilers. 
Through casual conversations, Body to Burial explores the intricacies of these professions and examines the physical, mental and emotional toil that comes from making a living off of crime and death. Check out this great new show at bodytoburial.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. Sunday, January 6, 2013. While listening to the news radio, Leah's family heard reports of a body being found by a snowmobile trail on the reserve at around 10 that morning. And because of limited resources, the local police got the 1,300 residents together for a headcount. The only person missing was Leah. Leah's sister being the one responsible for identifying Leah's skates and the bag that was found near her body. The medical examiner refusing to allow the family to see the body, as it was initially thought Leah had been the victim of wolves or wild dogs. She was that badly disfigured. An autopsy was conducted, and it was determined what happened to Leah was much more disturbing. This was not an accidental death, this was not an animal attack, even though there was animal activity found on the body. But instead, Leah had been badly beaten. Defensive wounds were found on her body where Leah had fought hard against her killer. Her cause of death was now officially considered a homicide. Now, unfortunately, a lot of evidence was destroyed due to the weather, but the time of death was determined to be prior to 10pm, so less than three hours after she hugged her aunt and left the home. Her killer then dumping her body along the trail where she was later found. A toxicology report was also done, and no alcohol or illegal substances was found in Leah's system. Interestingly, DNA evidence found on her body suggested her killer was male. But besides that, anything further that may or may not have been found has never been publicly released. The RCMP have theorised that Leah knew her killer, that she would have trusted him and been comfortable with him, that due to that particular weekend's weather, the ice road was closed off and there was no way to and from the remote reserve, that there had been a head count and there was no visitors, and given where Leah was found was isolated by snow, her killer would have had to have had access to a snow machine, shortening the list of potential suspects even more. Because of all of this, the community thought this would be an open and shut case, that their dear Leah's killer would be caught and brought to justice. But this would not be the case then and now, almost a decade later. But when the RCMP arrived, they would only stay for a couple of days before leaving with nothing really achieved, only returning three months later to obtain DNA samples from all the male community members, many who submitted voluntarily but none of the DNA taken could be matched back to that taken from Leah. That's left the community of gods like Narrows no closer to knowing who amongst them could be responsible for taking their beloved Leah's life. One of the people to give their DNA was someone known to Leah, Stephen Chubb. On the night of Leah's murder, Leah's boyfriend Max Chubb was looking for her. He heard she was going to a house party and he wanted to find her. It's unclear why he was so set on finding her that night. Maybe they had a fight. Maybe it was something as simple as he wanted to spend time with her before she left. 
what we do know is he would later pass a lie detector test and have his home searched. The RCMP have stated that Max has been cleared as a suspect and is not believed to have any knowledge of what happened to his girlfriend that night. Max would go to the house party Leah had allegedly been planned on going to that night, a house party hosted by Josephine B. But Josephine would not let him in because it was a girls-only party. However, Josephine would later claim that Leah had never been at the party that night anyway. But where the Josephine B connection becomes interesting, Josephine is Max's cousin and the sister of another local teen, Stephen Chubb. Now, when Stephen had his DNA taken, he had more to reveal than what investigators expected. He claimed he and Leah had had a secret relationship that ended only months before her death that he wanted to tell the police before others did due to the rumours he was involved because of a message he sent Leah on Facebook the morning after she went missing. Quote, I hope you didn't tell on us. Unquote. But this wouldn't be what would incriminate Stephen Chubb. Two women heard Stephen gloat he murdered someone in the months after Leah's murder. A woman who wished not to be identified told authorities that Stephen allegedly told her, quote, I already murdered someone. Unquote. And when pressed, he wouldn't say who. And then Leah's cousin, Destiny Anderson, also heard Stephen say, quote, I committed murder. I'm going away for a long time and I'm going to hell. Unquote. But Stephen's DNA would fail to be a match to that taken from Leah as well, and he too has been cleared as a suspect. In 2015, Leah's younger sister Tiffany and another of her aunts, Josie Stevenson, organised an almost 500-mile or 800-kilometre walk from God's Lake Narrows to Winnipeg to help raise awareness about the case. They made four stops along the way, in Ponton, Green Rapids, Fairford, before their final destination in Winnipeg. A group of 40 individuals would join the family for this event, one that is now an annual event not only looking for justice for Leah, but also to bring attention to the 225 currently unsolved cases of missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls throughout Canada. The RCMP's official line is the investigation is ongoing, but they aren't able to share much with the public because of the ongoing nature of the case. They claim over the past decade they have conducted upwards of 300 interviews, and collected countless pieces of evidence. That they have a short list of potential suspects, or residents at the time of God's Lake Narrows. However, Leah's aunt Myra Anderson has grown increasingly frustrated over the years with the investigation. She says she never hears from investigators, and the only contact is when she initiates. Instead of talking to the Andersons, investigators instead turned to social media numerous times throughout the years in order to try and stir up new leads that may help solve the case. Which is great. Social media has been instrumental in generating new leads and suspects in other cold cases, especially in recent years. But sadly, the flip side to this is Leah's family often find out via social media of case updates instead of from the investigators themselves. In April 2016, Leah's family and that of another Indigenous murdered woman, 22-year-old Crystal Andrews, protested outside of the RCMP headquarters in Winnipeg. 
Both families were understandably upset over the lack of progress in their cases and wanted justice to be served. And at least this helped one family. Because less than two years later, in March of 2018, 37-year-old Michael William Okinaw was arrested and charged with second-degree murder in relation to Crystal's case. This only frustrated Leah's family even more because it seemed her investigation came to a standstill years earlier. It only further brought long-term concerns to the forefront that due to the heavy snowfall, maybe investigators missed crucial pieces of evidence or used that as an excuse for missing something else. That due to the heavy snowfall, maybe the investigators missed crucial pieces of evidence or used that as an excuse for missing something. Or even worse, Maybe there was a cover-up of some description. An unnamed 23-year-old man was arrested in connection to Leah's case, in a move the RCMP called significant. But I don't know how significant this could really be because the next day he was released without charge. And despite the reasons for his release never being revealed, investigators say he remains a suspect to this day. The last update in this case comes in 2020. Leah's story would be featured in a documentary theatre production, God's Lake. This production is a beautiful piece highlighting the complex issues you face when you live in a remote Indigenous community. Problems with policing, education, the lack of child and family services and just overall safety. Highlighting the complex issues you face when living in remote Indigenous communities. Problems with policing, education, the lack of child and family services and just overall safety. And most importantly, the strength these communities show in the face of tragedy. According to the RCMP, the investigation into Leah Anderson's murder is being actively investigated. A murder that continues to haunt the small community of God's Lake Narrows, who cannot help but wonder, was someone amongst them capable of such a brutal and heartless crime? Many believe he is still living there like nothing happened, in a community that for many years was considered safe and close-knit. Leah will never be forgotten by those who knew and loved her. Since her sister's death, Tiffany Anderson has given birth to a daughter, a daughter she named Leah the perfect way to remember her lost sister. Tiffany has pledged her life to fight for justice for Leah, alongside the rest of the Anderson family. What's happened to Leah in those final few hours remains shrouded in mystery. What did happen during that short time between Leah leaving the safety of her family home and walking to the ice rink is unknown to this day. Was it possible she crossed paths with someone she thought she could trust? Maybe she was kind to a stranger who had ill intention. What happened leading up to and following Leah's death is something, sadly, that we may never know. Unfortunately, without a confession, this is one case that is going to be difficult to resolve. Did she and her killer get into an altercation or was she caught completely off guard? What we do know is the sheer brutality of 15-year-old Leah Anderson's murder shook the beautiful and tragically damaged God's Lake Narrows to its core. But one thing is for certain is that Leah will never be forgotten. But unfortunately, her killer has never been found. All that Leah's family need are answers, 
and most importantly for justice to be served. For this beautiful, artistic and amazingly wonderful 15-year-old whose life was stolen far too soon. Rest in peace, Leah. If you have any information regarding the unsolved murder of Leah Anderson, please contact the Winnipeg Detachment of RCMP on 204-983-5420 or Crime Stoppers on 1-800-222-8477. If you have your own thoughts and theories on the case we discussed today, or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives. Please search Stolen Lives on Facebook, like the page so you don't miss an episode, and join the discussion group to talk about your thoughts and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, or on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would appreciate it if you share this episode on your social media of choice, and subscribe and leave a positive review on your podcast app. Today's episode was researched and written by me, Ali. Hosting and production was also by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. 